Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screams from the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a bi-weekly horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things, including horror news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I am one of your co-hosts, Casey. And I'm Sam. And, and let's, let's get, get screaming. screaming. Sam. Yes. We are not alone today. It is not just we Sam not. and Casey here on Screens from the Basement. We are joined with our our first official guest to Screens uh, Screens from the Basement. He is a uh, he is an author. He's an entrepreneur. He is a horror fan. He is representing Ash Williams on his T-shirt today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll <laughs> get a shot of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doug Morano. Welcome to the show, Doug. Welcome. Thank you. Really thrilled to be here. Um, thrilled to be your first guest on this show. So yeah. excited to talk all things Evil Dead with you today. We are absolutely thrilled to have you because just letting people know, like, obviously, me and Sam, if people have been listening to the show, we're from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. You are also from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't think there's a whole lot of us horror nerds out there, or if there is, we just have yet to find each other. And I think this is one of those one of those times where us horror nerds have found each other. And this is going to be one of those uh, uh, South Dakota folks are just going to nerd out for here for the next hour and a half or so. Yeah, I love it. Um, it you're right. There, we're few and far between those those <laughs> hardcore fans. And so I'm always so pleased to uh, make acquaintance with with folks who can speak my language instead of giving me the the look like. You seem so nice, Doug. Like <laughs> you like horror, and you know it's so. Yeah, I get that a lot. So it's good to be among friends today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doug, I'm going to ask you first of all before we get into our, our rundown of the show. We're talking some new Evil Dead today. We gave a little preamble on that. Were you wearing the uh, the Bruce Campbell shirt? Uh, we're not talking Bruce though. We're talking yeah. the remake, I guess. It's a remake of, of the 2013 one and the new Evil Dead Rise. We're going to talk about those a little later on in the show. But before we get to that and the latest horror news, Doug, I'm going to ask you, let's talk a little bit about Bad Hand Books. Yeah. Oh, Explain excited. to us a little bit what what that is. What's what's it all about? What type of books you know, you are putting together? What is What is Bad Hand Books? So uh, the short version is I've been working in the horror business in publishing for about the last 10 years. And so I've been working with other publishers, small and independent presses, to put out horror anthologies. So I kind of um, earned my, my stripes, you know, in, in that arena. And I ended up working with a lot of authors that uh, I grew up reading. So um, Clive Barker and Neil Gaiman have been in uh, my couple of my anthologies. Um, and then some newer voices, Josh Mallerman, the author of Bird Box, uh, Paul Tremblay, who recently had a novel oh. adapted to uh, Knock at the Cabin. Um, yep. And so I, I've really kind of spent the last decade knocking around the business, building up connections. And then about two years ago, I thought, why not go out on my own? And so I, I founded my uh, independent press, Bad Hand Books, and um, we are coming out of the gates swinging. We, we, we do anthologies horror anthologies, um, and then single author works. We published Eric LaRocca, who went viral a couple of years ago with Things Have Gotten Worse since we last spoke. We did a novella in pieces mm-hmm. with him. Um, we've got a uh, Laird Barron, Isaiah Coleridge novella coming up that's more dark supernatural crime. Um, we've got Michael Wehunt with a short story collection coming out in June. 
Um, he does really uh, weird slash folk horror that's extremely unnerving. Um, and then we're going to be doing books for younger readers as well and novels and other types of exciting projects coming into 2024. So we've got a lot on our plates. Um, and when I say our plates, I mean my plate. We're like a one-man <laughs> shop. But saying our makes it sound bigger than it really is. But uh, <laughs> there's just a lot going on, and I'm, I'm super excited. Um, and it's it's really exciting to be doing this from South Dakota because we don't really have a name for ourselves in in the business. And so I'm kind of excited to plant my flag here and see, you know, see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, it, it really feels like people are taking notice. It feels like uh, you guys are, you guys are garnering a lot of attention in, in some very uh, cool ways. Uh, I don't know. I, I admire what bad hand books does. I know you guys, uh, you guys kind of champion like some under, uh, underutilized voices or I, yeah that's I, that's really part of our mission um is is to uh lift up those marginalized voices yeah and and so we're going to be um you know uh, our first single author work was was aggressively queer and um i think that that's an important thing to be doing from south dakota i don't want to get too political but it's hard to do that uh nowadays uh when mm -hmm. when it's just uh, who you are can be political but but i think it's really important to represent that point of view from here in south dakota from a publishing standpoint not only in general should publishing lift up marginalized voices but doing it in horror um publishing objectionable material in south dakota featuring um you know people that they may want to ban is I think it's a good place to be right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Thank you. I, I'm seeing what you're doing. I, I appreciate it. It's appreciate it, Sam. It's awesome. So, yeah, I'm going to ask a, a follow-up to that. You mentioned, uh, uh, you know, publishing horror work for younger audiences. What's, yeah. what's your history with horror? That's a, that's a big thing for us is gateway horror. Mm -hmm. We talk about it a lot on this show on, on the stuff we grew up with. What did, what, what got you into horror though? So, you know, probably the first time I ever felt really freaked out was, was the first time I read Where the Wild Things Are when I was really little. And it just seemed, it's not horror, but um, there's a point at which they, they say, we'll eat you up, we love you so. And when I was a kid, I thought to myself, you know, what a, I, I didn't have the sophistication to, to, to figure it out, but uh, or to reflect properly on it, but the collision of sort of that love and consumption and, and the potential for violence, uh, a lot of uh, horror is, is wrapped up in, in that little moment. Um, but then, you know, I was a dark crystal kid. That's more dark fantasy, but there's some horrific elements there. Mm -hmm. um, labyrinth. Um, and then when I was uh, 13 years old, I went to a garage sale and bought Stephen King's It. And Ugh. spent the summer reading that, and uh, it it changed my life. Um, there are certainly some spots, you know. Having kids of my own now, I wonder like, what's the right age for the the book that ends in a sewer orgy? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if there's an answer for that. But I I found it then, and after that, it was it was really all I wanted in life. It was all I wanted to do, and. I think so many 
authors and other professionals in the business who are about my age have a Stephen King story. It It's kind of cliche, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah. I, he's synonymous with horror. It's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to not have an origin that's at least somewhat based in him. Cause he's kind of like, he's like air in the horror community. He's just mm-hmm. kind of yeah. there, you know, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I was going to say it, it seems to be the, either the, the, the novel or the TV mini series. Yeah. I would say even now for kids, the, the recent remake yeah. is kind of that, that introduction for so many different people, just the overall story of it. Um, because yeah, I, I had a, I didn't read the, the original novel as a kid, but I saw the TV miniseries, um, just the cover and like the opening scene. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and, so brilliant in the way that it's broken down because there's a whole half of the book that deals with children and adolescents mm-hmm. and then there's the adult half and so mm-hmm. the demographic appeal of a novel like that is is just devastatingly smart and good i yeah. i won't say that it was a calculated thing i don't i think it was um done as 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 art but it just so happens that it it is structured in such a way that it gets everybody yeah yeah mm-hmm. i would agree with that because that book is very different when you read it as a kid versus mm-hmm. when you read it as an adult, there are different parts that you start picking up on and gravitating towards. It's yeah. It's kind of, that book is a labyrinth. hundred percent. Yeah. You can get lost in it. <laughs> so. All right. Well, let's, let's kind of jump into, to the format of the show. Let's first jump into some, some horror news. We got some big news to talk about. I'm going to hit the, uh, the little musical cue and we'll jump into it. All right, Sam, what's first up from our uh, horror news? The first up from Stellar News is the original black Christmas actress, Olivia Hussey, who played Jess in the 1974 classic, is returning to face Billy in the fan film It's Me, Billy, Chapter 2. This is uh, Dave McRae. directed a short film that is a sequel to his other one obviously it's me billy uh and have either of you seen the first it's me billy no 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 okay so as far as fan films go it's me billy is one of my all-time favorites uh it's it's tremendous it captures the tone and the spirit of the 1974 one uh very well and it even kind of incorporates little elements from the old oh seven remake oh six remake um whether or not that's your cup of tea it's kind of fun the way it incorporates it and uh it i remember watching it home alone one uh like the weekend it dropped and uh i had to watch cartoons until about three in the morning afterwards uh it was it was pretty intense i i i loved it i'm really excited i was really excited they were doing another one and now I'm even more excited that Olivia Hussey's coming back to the franchise because she's just, she's incredible. She's she's just from, she's just from a uh, Black Christmas. She's Norma Bates from Psycho Four. She's an icon. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched the the original fan film. It's me, Billy. Um, 
obviously i'm a huge fan of the original bob clark i am also a fan i'm a fan of all three actually i like yeah. all three black christmas movies i really like the 06 black xmas one quite a bit and even the blumhouse one it's not it's not that bad it, it's no. it's not that bad uh this is kind of cool that we're we're seeing a lot more fan films do do the franchise right by bringing back the the actors who portrayed these characters years and decades ago back to the franchise because we're seeing it with the the Never Hike Alone crew mm-hmm. with Vincent DeSante who has brought back uh, so many people from the the Friday the Thirteenth franchise yeah. and they're doing a sequel now to 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 that one too so it's 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 really cool to see so many different. Uh, fan films bring back actors and people who worked on the original films back to the series. Uh, Dave McRae is also working on the Dylan's nightmares. Uh, yeah, that's right. Fan film, which, which is Miko Hughes coming back to reprise his role from new nightmare too. So yeah. it's, he's no stranger to the fan film genre. Um, and I think it's pretty cool, especially if, if studios aren't wanting to do a direct sequel, why not let the the fans do it? Yeah, especially if these actors are willing to come back, it just shows that they're. I mean, it's a it's a horror family. Mm-hmm. We all love what we do. So, it's one of my favorite things about the horror business is, um, and the genre in general is like, once you're in, you're in, right? Like once we love you, then that's forever. And so, yeah. it's when when these actors and actresses come back from the classics it's like they never left and we love them as much as we did the first time we saw them and that's that's a really cool thing about horror i don't know that that it's like that in any other subgenre uh, the power yeah. of it mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with that i would 100 percent agree with that yeah we horror fans if we love something we really love something <laughs> and we're not going to lose that love very fast <laughs> loyalty is in the brand <laughs> that's right Right. Um, our next story that we're here to talk about is Oliver Park is directing a new Blair Witch movie for Lionsgate. Casey, I'm going to throw this one to you because I know you're a massive Blair Witch fan. And I mean the franchise, not the 2016 movie. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can put the words in my mouth. <laughs> that movie's not very good. Uh, yeah, I love Blair Witch. Um I love the entire mythos of the Blair Witch series. Even some of the mythos of the 2016 one, even though it's not mm-hmm. very good. Uh, I, I just love that we're, you know, we're getting back into that world because I think it is something we can explore either through TV or books or video games, which they've done all of those with, with the Blair Witch mythology. They did the the Sci-Fi Channel documentary when the first film came out which was like an, an accompanying, accompanying piece to the original film that presented the original film as this you know real, real documentary of these real film students that went missing in the woods. Um, you got the, the Blair Witch video game, which just came out, I think, two years ago, 2021. Yeah. Was a great addition to the, to the franchise. And then you have a ton of different books that explore the, the, the Blair Witch mythology. So, yeah, I am super excited to to get back into this world. I would like to see them explore other stories that are brought up because for me, the the thing that was kind of missing in the 2016 one was we didn't get any, get any 
further explanation or mythology to the actual Blair Witch, whether it be Rust and Parr or you know the the actual Blair Witch. So I I would like to see them explore that a little further. Let's 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 be weird. Let's be Blair Witch Two: Book of Shadows weird with this. One. <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything you say. I I I don't know. If there's a new Blair Witch movie, I'm going to be there for it. I I was lukewarm on the 2016 one. I still haven't seen Book of Shadows all the way through. I've Book caught bits Shadows and pieces rules. of it. It was one of those that was playing late night on TV all the time at friends' houses, and I'd just catch bits and pieces, but I've never actually watched the whole thing. But the first one's obviously like a classic. Yeah, yeah. Doug, are you excited for a new Blair Witch? I love Blair Witch, um, and the... I, I didn't love Book of Shadows, but I will say I can appreciate that they took a big swing. They didn't mm. try to do the same thing. They um, tried to shake up the formula and really abandon the formula uh, and deepen things a little bit. And so whether they succeeded in that, I, you know, I, I hate to I hate to get too far down on any piece of art because I've said before, like any piece of art that exists is a friggin' miracle. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I can appreciate that they they took a big swing with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that won't be the only time that sentiment is brought up in this in this episode. The not my cup of tea, but excellent work. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I love I love that it exists and I love that people are yeah. continuing to dig into it. I would like to understand a little bit more about the mythos itself. I I didn't get into anything beyond the the movies and so you know what is this force what does it want um all of that is a little bit unclear and i sometimes that's okay but for this type of a story i think a little bit more clarity would would do well in in the sequels mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right so our final story in seller news is a bit of a clickbait thing, I think. Beetlejuice 2, is it finally happening? Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, Michael Keaton and talks to return, and Jenna Ortega is rumored to join the cast. Let me start by saying, if this is true, I'm totally stoked for it. I'm very excited for a second Beetlejuice movie, but I've also been very excited for a second Beetlejuice movie for most of my life now, so... <laughs> Doug, do you like Beetlejuice? You excited oh my for God. Beetlejuice too? Yes, yes. <laughs> that that was probably um, one of the things I should have mentioned in my formative years. It that that whole early Tim Burton aesthetic, um, yeah. Michael Keaton's totally manic performance. It's just beautiful. Just the music. Um, I was completely into uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure around that time, mm -hmm. and just that sort of. Uh, campy horror really appeals to me and and I just I love horror that doesn't take itself too seriously but it still has its scary moments and I think Beetlejuice just threads that needle perfectly yeah yeah Casey and I are both massive massive fans of Beetlejuice we love it <laughs> and and Jenna Ortega is is quickly becoming sort of a horror icon in her own right between Wednesday Adams and the scream series. And um, I, I just, I cannot wait to see what she does next. Oh, and also X, she was in X. Yeah. Wonderful. And in that. she was in studio six, 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 the Foo Fighters one. 
And she was in that. Babysitter Killer Queen. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. I've got some work she's, to do then. She's had a busy couple of years in the yeah. horror in the horror biz. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great to see uh, a young actress like that, like really commit to the genre and she's so good too so it's like yeah yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll gladly accept you as one of us jenna <laughs> well exactly and we you know there hasn't really been somebody who has had that through line like jenna for for a while now i mean she's mm -hmm. sort of taking the jamie lee curtis-esque pathway through her career um yeah. and that's that's cool that's exciting yep Absolutely. I was going to say, she reminds me a lot of Winona Ryder, which is mm -hmm. who is, uh, she is rumored to play the daughter of in this movie. Again, I say rumored because I don't know if I believe any of this, <laughs> because it has been talked about for literally probably my entire life of Beetlejuice 2. There was even talks of Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii, which yeah. I hope that's this movie, because yeah. yeah, why not? Um yeah, I don't know. I once I see that this movie's in production and I see Keaton wearing the makeup again, I will believe it. Until then, I am very skeptical. Um, yeah, I, I I just don't know what to expect anymore from this this rumors of Beetlejuice two. I'm also a little little hesitant, even though I love Tim Burton. He's one of my favorite <laughs> directors of of all time. He's he's been very hit or miss, to put it lightly, in the last decade plus. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I maybe he can capture that Tim Burton magic one more time for Beetlejuice, and maybe this will be his his swan song. I think that would be pretty pretty dang cool. Um, it's nice to see Keaton go back to some of these roles that made him famous in the first place. Where's mm -hmm. Mr. Mom too? When is that going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tentative, tentatively excited for this. Once I see Keaton in that makeup, I will say I'm excited. Casey, just the knowledge now that you're also a Mr. Mom fan. I don't think we've ever talked about that movie, but it we've so never talked sense. to Mr. Mom on this movie <laughs> or on this podcast. Sam. No, I feel, Mr. I feel Mom like knows. we've, we've really shared something today, fellas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we all love early Michael Keaton. <laughs> That's right. You can't beat it. No, let's get, let's get nuts. <laughs> oh man all right well now that seller news has been discussed casey it's time to open your toy box and see what's inside oh no that sounds scary uh it first does. first up we're talking about our friends at super seven uh they're releasing a new line of action figures in their reaction line uh these are the three and a quarter inch Pre-Code Horror, which is a brand new line of action figures. These are inspired by the Pre-Code Horror comics of, of the 50s. Uh, this is super cool. So some of the figures that they are going to be releasing. Uh, it looks like, I don't think there were, they've actually named any of these figures. Uh, besides the, you know, the, the kooky characters that look like one of them looks like they're straight out of Scooby-Doo and one looks like a bearded swamp thing creature from the Black Lagoon. But these look really cool. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Super 7 has been knocking it out of the park with all of their designs for their action figures. Um, and this is no no stranger to the, the reaction line uh, in terms of quality that you're going to get with these. Yeah. Sam, what are, what are your thoughts? I know we've talked about the reaction line here on 
on the podcast a couple times from Super 7. We're both very, very much on the fence because of the the price point that these start at. But yeah. what, are you, what, are your, what are your thoughts on just the figures in general? I mean, these figures are cool, man. Like, I love 50s horror. I love atomic horror. I love creature feature stuff. Like, that's, that's my jam. And uh, this era of horror is just one of my favorites. And these all look super cool. Um, I think I'm happy with, you know, just looking at a picture of them, but they're, they're super cool looking. I Mm -hmm. personally love the diving suit ghost guy zombie. (laughs) Like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, that's cool. It reminds me of a Scooby-Doo villain. Like, yeah, yeah, I love it. Doug, do you do a lot with collecting like action figures, statues, stuff like that? You know, I actually have quite a few, um, and so they're they're kind of everywhere around uh, Bad Hand World headquarters. Um, <laughs> I picked I picked this little guy. This is a minifig. This is Pinhead uh, minifig. Oh, picked nice. that up at SuperCon last yeah. year, and then I've got uh, uh, a little a little stripe gremlin. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But then you know a lot of Star Wars. I've actually got you know speaking of Pee Wee Herman, I've got some like vintage peewee going on in here that's and, rad uh, <laughs> and so yeah i i, I kind of love to be surrounded you know where when i'm at my desk it's like this is this is the fun imaginative uh, zone <laughs> and so yeah. i like to have all my friends here with me cheering me on um mm-hmm. so awesome. this is really cool and i i love this era of horror as well the bad hand logo kind of goes back to that ec comics feel where it's sort oh, yeah. of like drippy a little bit um and so this is this is like totally my aesthetic so this is awesome heck yeah yeah these these rule um again super seven pre-code horror three and a quarter inch action figures coming i think the pre-order for these is already out on super seven's website so if you are interested in those go check it out there next up in terms of toys These are some more Monster Madness going on. This is Rush Collectibles Monster Masters, which is a brand new line of figures from Rush Collectibles, who started off as a a wrestling figure company doing kind of the the old school WWF size wrestling action figures. These are in that same scale. Uh, They have Frankenstein's Monster, Cthulhu, Nosferatu, and a zombie sailor which is very cool that is uh, quite an interesting interesting character to do uh the reason we're talking about these is these are going to be heading on pre-order uh i believe very soon so if you are interested in checking those out these are these will go perfect again with your wrestling figures or if you want to have frankenstein's monster fight he-man i think this would be the perfect (laughs) size for that too yeah is anybody is anybody else disappointed that cthulhu is not green though I don't know why. I always yeah. think of Cthulhu as green. I think he, he looks is fleshy, but is I, I I don't know if for some reason I don't think the paint has been completed on the. Okay. On these okay. Yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, if he's green, I might actually get a little Cthulhu to <laughs> put on my shelf because yeah. Cthulhu is great. I appreciate he didn't he doesn't skip leg day, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like totally jacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is funny. You got to have him stand right next to Skeletor, and they can show off their quads <laughs> together. 
That's awesome. Oh, that's great. That's great. Next up, we got some uh, some major action figure line uh, coming out here from NECA. We have two big figures that have been discussed for a very long time that are finally seeing the light of day. First up, we have Prey. Not coming to Blu-ray because Disney doesn't want you to own their movies on physical media. They would yeah. rather have you buy the action figure. This <laughs> is the Ultimate NECA Prey from the 20... Let's see, was it 22? 2022, yeah. right? Yeah, last year, yep. Hulu original film Prey. This is the Predator from that movie. Getting the full-scale NECA Ultimate treatment. This looks awesome. They've been crushing it with all of their Predator figures for a very long time. Mm. Uh, I think Predator is low-key one of the best action figure lines that you can probably get into from the the high scales from you know NECA. Or you can even go to, to Walmart has like these $8 figures that just look really cool for, for an $8 Predator action figure. Uh, yeah, these rule. I'm excited that this is getting an action figure. I'm hoping that a Blu-ray release is probably going to be coming around the corner if they're releasing action figures. Who knows? But uh, yeah, the figure looks incredible. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. First glance, I thought you just put a still up of the movie. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent sculpt, great paintwork. Uh, it's typical. I mean, but that's typical of NECA. I feel like NECA is just always kind of knocking their stuff out of the park. Yeah. I mean, Prey was one of my favorite movies of last year. So I don't know. This one might've wound up on my shelf. Um, yeah. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved this movie. And I, I love the whole series. And, um, I, I was a little bit mixed. My first reaction to the, to the new face design once the mask came off um mm. i think it was just that it was different but the more i look at it um and, and just spoiler uh this was one of the figures that i kind of like did some pre-scouting when i saw the show notes i'm like oh i didn't even know about this so um it, it looks great it just looks yeah. so ferocious and uh, the design work comes through so nicely in the sculpt you're absolutely right sam it's just freaking awesome yeah Oh man, that one's cool. That one's really cool. Well, you know what else is pretty cool? Yeah. <laughs> this one's insane. I, I think fans have been asking for this uh, for a very long time. They've been kind of NECA has been knocking it out of the park with all of their action figures from The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, and this is no exception. This is the dog from The Thing, which if I'm understanding correctly from the pictures I've seen and the description on it, it's basically seven or eight figures in, in one with how many different ways you can move some of the parts around. And this is uh, on the screen right now, as you can see, just one figure uh, that you can make out of this. Again, NECA is totally knocking these out of the park. This box, um, from what I've looked up, is going to be pretty much almost double the size of a regular NECA box. So make your shelf space accordingly uh, <laughs> with the rest of your, your John Carpenter's the thing action figures. Yeah. These are incredible. Again, Sam, you, you talked about seeing the prey action figure and being like, Oh, that's a, that's a screenshot from the movie. Again, this kind of looks like a screenshot from John Carpenter's the thing that we have on the screen right now. These yeah. roll. This is such a cool figure. I'm excited for, for the thing fans to finally have this. Yeah, feels like a long time coming for this one. I mean, it's such an iconic. I I mean, it's an iconic piece of horror history. No, no, no horror fan 
doesn't know about the dog even before I hadn't seen the thing because I held off on watching the thing for such a long time because John Carpenter doesn't make movies anymore. So I saved some of his. But I knew about the dog from the start. Like, it's iconic. The, you know, you got to be fucking kidding me. And like, all the, I, I don't know. Like, this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. The Possessed Dog is great. The funny thing is, is I actually was watching the thing earlier today. <laughs> I had a bit of a John Carpenter day, so. <laughs> kind of one of those uh, com- comfort movies, right? Yeah, which is a weird thing to say about a movie where pretty much everybody dies, but most of my comfort movies end that way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when when uh, twenty twenty hit, and I, like someone was asking me, like, "Oh, what movies do you put on when you when you don't want to be bummed out?" And I was like, "Reanimator." <laughs> and they're Amen. like, "What?" <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. My my wife and I went through the entire uh, Friday the Thirteenth series uh, yeah. together because she had never seen them. And we thought, well, we're stuck inside a lot of the time, so let's just roll. And it oh, was so much awesome. fun. So yeah, yeah, horror is is comfort food. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Sam, um, I don't know how you watch the thing when it's like so nice outside in South Dakota for once, and you're sitting inside watching a gross, cold horror oh, movie. The irony was not lost on me. I followed it up <laughs> with another with another grimy, dirty, dark one, Escape from New York, which I hadn't watched in a long time. Oh, my God, that movie rules. Mm-hmm. That movie rules. <laughs> All right. It's now that time of the show where I get to ask my favorite question. What do you guys do be doing? What have you been do be doing recently? I I haven't been doobie doing a lot in terms of watching horror movies. I think the only one I have is something all three of us uh, I think have watched. I was watching this would have been two weeks ago watching mm-hmm. the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, I watched Witchboard on there the first half of the double feature. The second movie was The Devil's Reign. It was yes. for I am not going to try to pronounce it, but it is the halfway to Halloween holiday. Sam, go. Can you pronounce it? I'm going to make um, you pronounce it. Well, Pergus not. Is that yeah, what it was? You, I'm better than that, what yeah. I would have done. Okay. Because I, I was like, I don't even have the word in front of me. I just, I was, I remember Joe Bob saying it a lot. <laughs> I think Joe Bob listens to our show because he heard us talk, talk about the remake of Witchboard. Yeah. And both of and, us said, hey, we need to watch this movie. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And... Literally, later, like Bob played it. the next, the next last drive, and Joe Bob plays it. He listens to our show. Hi, Joe Bob. Uh, Hi, Joe Bob. <laughs> which board, Sam? I'll, I, I think I'll let you be nice first. Yeah, I was like, I, I kind of like this one. Um, it was, it was a perfectly good three star movie that I enjoyed quite a bit. I think I ended up giving it three and a half actually. Uh, I, I think every movie benefits from having Joe Bob um, talking about it because I really don't give bad ratings to movies that I watched on the last drive-in, even when Joe Bob himself does. So <laughs> I don't know. I really liked Witchboard. I thought it was an interesting um I don't know. It's an interesting early entry in Ouija horror, which I'm kind of a sucker for. I like, I don't know. They're all, none of the movies are really all that great, except for the one Flanagan did, but they all are kind of my jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Witchboard, Witchboard kind of ruled. I'm very excited to see what Frank Darabont does with his remake of this. Um, 
I hope he just practical gores the hell out of it. Uh, not Frank Darabont. Or not Frank Darabont. Frank, like, uh, what am I thinking? Kurt, Frank Russell. Is that what it is? Chuck oh, Russell. Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. What am I saying? <laughs> Woo. It's been a week, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chuck Russell. Yeah. I watched this one, too. I don't ever make it to the second movie of, of Joe Bob. I usually pass out. In the case of the other movie that Sam will will talk about from uh, the, the latest episode of The Last Drive and Don't Panic. I made it halfway through that movie before passing out. Yeah. So, Joe Bob, you need to start your show like an hour early. But which 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 board? I did not like this movie. Um, I'm a huge fan of Night of the Demons, which is director Kevin uh, Tenney's other kind of cult classic from that era. Cult classic in terms of, uh, you know, 80s kind of party horror movie. Night of the Demons rules. It's a ton of fun. It's super campy. I don't think this one has enough of that campy elements to it in Witchboard. I, I was kind of I was kind of bored unless Joe Bob was talking. And I don't like that in a last drive in movie. I was just waiting for Joe Bob, whereas I like a good balance between like, oh, this movie is a ton of fun. I want to hear Joe Bob talk about how fun it is for 10 minutes. Instead, I was like, no, I'd rather hear Joe Bob talk about the history of witches instead of a movie about <laughs> a witch board i didn't like it very much but maybe the remake will be better but that's that's all i've been doing doing sam that is literally all i've been doing doing and then i watched half of uh don't panic until i fell asleep during the you last missed the best half of it uh <laughs> i watched a a not alex alex winter uh run around in pjs for 40 minutes i think that i i, I watched enough of it well I, I did finish the double feature The Night of Witchboard deliriously and after about, I don't know, probably five cups of coffee. Um, so I don't remember a whole lot about The Devil's Reign because I was fighting with every ounce of my being to stay awake through most of it. But the finale was appropriately goopy. I had a really fun time. Um, the practical effect that they wove into the episode with the Joe, Bob and Darcy stuff was really fun. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Doug, did you watch the Witchboard Devil's Reign uh, double I feature? I did, and and did you make it through when, the whole thing. It's it's a purposeful thing. I only watch one one of the films of the double feature, and then on Monday I gave myself another treat, and I oh. catch it on uh, the stream uh, on Monday. So it allows me to be awake and alert and try to really <laughs> like, get the most out of it. But I thought. I'm kind of with you, Sam. I, it's hard for me to separate the the experience of the movie from mm -hmm. the experience of Joe Bob. So I've just got all these warm, fuzzy feelings about the whole thing because <laughs> I'm a total sucker for Ouija horror, for Joe Bob, and for um, the history that they bring into it as well. Um, yep. And so it's hard for me to to dissect my opinion of the movie out of that. I just I just have a great time with it. Um, I love to live tweet through it and to uh see what the rest of the mutant fam is saying about it um and so like casey we, it, there have been some times when i've been kind of like looking at my watch for some of the films then i just go to twitter and uh you know the the, the fandom is at least having fun with the film so i can laugh yeah. about that mm -hmm. and kind of keep myself going so that that's how i that's how i do it yeah that's a good way to do it too, especially if the movie lulls. I feel like actually engaging in the social media aspect of it always 
yeah i love that yeah. we should we should tweet at each other this friday doc yeah 100 um, <laughs> percent. that it's it's like it's literally the only thing that i never ever miss it's it's like it's like church for me i'm i'm going yeah. to be there watching joe bob <laughs> yep yep absolutely so you definitely watch don't panic then along with me right yes yes I, yeah. you know that one wasn't great but i, I <laughs> But I, I did appreciate the dino pajamas um, and, and just like the absolute insanity of it. You know, it just it was a mashup of so many better things. Yeah. <laughs> it was and like so... Evil Dead meets Nightmare on Elm Street. Meets right. The production value of the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um and so I, I just I will never understand those uh, toddler pajamas on uh, <laughs> when it's clearly a grown man. <laughs> but um, that that for me was 17 part of the fun in the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the dude was was coming up on thirty in real life, and so it was just nothing was right about what was going on here. And I don't know, I can kind of get into that. <laughs> Let, let alone his race car posters he had all over his room too yeah and then he then he just destroyed you know all of it and said i am not crazy because <laughs> that that's always how you convince people that you're not yeah, right exactly. destroying your room full of lamborghini posters so, you know in light of in light of everything i remember about it it stuck with me so you know there's yeah. that right i my <laughs> My headphones came out because I'm gesticulating. <laughs> I'm that like, happened. I'm getting, I'm, I'm doing the Italian thing. So. <laughs> I'm going to okay. highly, highly recommend both of you watch a, an episode of best of the worst from red letter media because they cover don't panic on it. And it yeah. is hilarious to watch those guys react okay. to, to especially him wearing the dinosaur pajamas for the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. I, so I walked away from it kind of loving it in that like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to invite a bunch of people over and just watch it and laugh, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I mean, I'm a sucker for bad movies. I really am. And something that that is that much of a massive, like, what were they doing kind yep. of movie? I, I'm just like, yeah, I'm in. I I loved it unironically. It was just it was it was a blast start to finish for me. It wasn't good at all, but oh my gosh. I was never not entertained by it. Yep. And I, I just love the the Joe Bob curated experience where he's like, You probably would not have watched this film but for Joe Bob, but here here it is for consideration and here's why and here's how it fits into everything. That's that's a cool experience. Mm -hmm. It's yep. like you know, a wine tasting. You know, you're not going to be into everything, but you're glad yeah. you did it at the end, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Sometimes the wine is necrotic yeah. and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I dug it. I, it was, it was cheap wine, but it was, yeah, I thought it was good. <laughs> I was like, I would box. drink this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a perfectly good boxed wine for a Friday night mm -hmm. where I'm just like, ah, oh, what the hell? Right. <laughs> you know, so, speaking of Shudder, um, have you guys seen the uh, the Boulay Brothers Halfway to Halloween special? I have not watched that yet. I'm so excited mm -hmm. to. 
it's bonkers. And Is I mean, it? like, <laughs> I sort of, I watched it and, and I was um, kind of feeling under the weather. So I had like a low grade fever and <laughs> it was, it was sort of like the, 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 the ultimate fever dream experience. So that's another thing that I caught. It's, it's, it's out there. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse levels of weird, but like super gory. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something else I've been doobie doing lately. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. (laughs) I've been meaning to get to that one and it's only like 45 minutes. So I really don't know how I haven't because I love the, uh, yeah, I love their, I love their drag show. It's great. It's great. Um, And, and I actually, um, they've got, I, I, I did not listen to twin temple before that show. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's satanic doo-wop. It's freaking awesome. And so okay. they 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 did a musical number in the show, and then I bought the record because they were so good. So cool. yeah, it's wow. a pretty cool takeaway. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love when uh, I love when like I'm a big fan of like German bands that take like American. I just found this band called the Boss Haas that's been around for like a couple decades now, but they're a German band that do like American country and Western, but they infuse it with like german pop and it's crazy (laughs) it's really cool (laughs) like (laughs) so yeah yeah uh the only other thing i've been doobie doing is i've also i've still been watching yellow jackets i they took a week off for some reason don't take a week off just please give me more (laughs) um (laughs) um the the last episode that i talked about i said had a very darkly humorous ending um, in light of this last episode, I no longer find the ending of the last episode darkly humorous as much as I find it utterly haunting. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this new episode kind of like rips your heart out and then stomps mm. on it a little bit. And then it, it says, be on your way. And you're like, OK, but I'm going to be back next week. <laughs> so that's that's the Yellow Jackets experience, I guess. Doug, have you been watching Yellow Jackets? No, um, my wife has, and uh, I've kind of, I'm kind of saving it for when there's just a huge batch of it that I can just yeah. binge. And once the the narrative arc has been, I'm I, I kind of I'm a bad fan that way because it's like <laughs> I should be up on the front to drive numbers, but I kind of sit back and wait till there's you know a bingeable amount, and so it, I will be visiting. It's less painful that way. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I think you know it's so many times it's like they'll do a season of something great and then it'll get canceled. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hoping that, that there's a, a, a good finale to this so that I can just, all right, I'm going to set aside a couple of weeks and I'm going to just dig into this because mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's very good. I've been bugging Casey to, to get on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's my favorite thing that I'm watching currently. I love yellow jackets. I get very excited every Friday when there's a new episode. So yeah. Doug, have you been doobie doing anything else? Um, you know, I recently caught a uh, dead stream on shutter. Yeah. Shutter yeah. is the gift that keeps on giving. So you, you both saw that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And oh, it yeah. kind of ties in with, with this episode because mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. some point you realize, and you know, I'm going to pause for spoilers, but at some point you realize this is a stealth evil dead flick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just is. It's an evil dead flick. And uh, it becomes 
it's fun all the way through but it, once it hits that uh, that extra gear it's like just hook it to my veins fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah oh yeah i actually just recently rewatched that one uh with my with my girlfriend because i was i had no idea if she'd like it or not <laughs> i was <laughs> like but this is like one of the most fun movies i saw last year like we got to check this out and she liked it right up until about the the last like 10 minutes and then when it started like really like going all rocky on the gag reflex that was when she was like okay i think i'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> i was like i understand that i totally understand that yep it's at that point when um see, my wife jess uh watches horror movies with me but at some at a certain point the the hands go up over the eyes <laughs> mm-hmm. and i say okay then it now it's a talkie it's not a yeah. movie anymore it's a talkie <laughs> yep Yep, for sure. Deadstream was one of the biggest examples of there's two type of people that watch horror movies. Whereas I was watching it with with my <laughs> wife and my buddy Dakota, and he's <laughs> sitting in the he hates horror movies, and he's sitting on the couch, scrunched up, ears, you know, plugged, <laughs> eyes barely opened, watching Deadstream, and here I'm maniacally laughing at everything <laughs> going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, I I watched it alone, um, but I I was I was cheering and and talking to myself and like I I'm pretty sure at some point uh, I I was like holy crap this is an Evil Dead flick <laughs> I said to no one in particular. Yeah, I'm glad to know I'm not the only person that does that because I talk during movies mm-hmm. all the time even when I'm by myself. Yeah. And when I'm with Casey, I think I annoy him sometimes when we're watching. No, movies. you're fine. <laughs> Especially for something like Deadstream, you have to you have to react to it. If you're not <laughs> reacting, you're you're the weirdos that walked out of our Evil Dead Two or Evil Dead uh, Rise Evil Dead screening. Rise screening. <laughs> so funny. well, I'm going to use had, that as our yeah. I'm going to use that as our transition to our yeah. main topic since we talked about the the kind of found footage live stream evil dead that is dead stream. Let's jump into our main topic then for this episode. We're going to be talking 2013's evil dead and 2023's evil dead rise. We're going to kick things off as we do when we talk about any new horror movie, we're going to save that discussion for last. So if people have not watched it yet, they will have a, a chance to still watch the movie. I think, is it streaming at home already, or is that Not, just Renfield and just Pope's Renfield Exorcist? and Pope's Exorcist? So ne- by, by, the, by, the, by the time this episode drops, it might be at home. It might be, but it's also <laughs> making bank like those movies didn't. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, but I can't wait for this one to be at home. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll so. give a we'll give a full spoiler warning when we get to Evil Dead Rise again, but spoiler filled yeah. discussion on both of these movies. Let's kick things off with 2013's Evil Dead. I'm going to read off our plot for this movie here. You all know the story. A group of of early twenty somethings go to a cabin in the woods as a retreat for their friend entering drug rehab because that's what happens in all of these cabin in the woods movie actually no none of them talk about drug rehab uh this isn't your dad's evil dead as a dead eye unleashes hell on the group of uh on, on the group including flesh burning tongue cutting cheek scalping arm tearing and blood rain by the end of this this is the 2013 evil dead the movie stars jane levy shiloh fernandez jessica lucas lou taylor 
Pucci and Elizabeth Blackmore. It was released April 5th of 2013. It is written by Fede Alvarez and it is directed by Fede Alvarez. This is the remake, sequel, reboot, all of the above of the original Evil Dead from Sam Raimi. So let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about our first time watching Evil Dead. Uh, Doug, what was your first time watching this? Did you watch the 2013 movie in the theater? I actually did. Um, I was extremely excited to, to go, but just because I'm, I'm a huge fan of the series and I was not disappointed. Um, I, I remember uh, loving the, the energy of it. I mean, it's just, it takes all of that manic camera work um, although not quite to the extreme of it, like an Evil Dead 2. Um, but, you know, like the Dutch angles, the darkness, the, the cellar, um, you know, so many of the elements, but sort of slightly remixed. It was just very, very well done and a really nice reintroduction uh, into the into the franchise, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did not watch this one in theaters. So I'm a recent Evil Dead convert, like from I don't know what year did we meet Casey? Cause that's the year I started watching like all the evil dead movies and I fell in love with them instantly. 20, so like 2020? 2020, wasn't it? It was like literally right after the pandemic mm-hmm. hit that we connected. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, 2020, that, that was kind of my coop up series where I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to watch all these. And uh, yeah, I'd seen bits and pieces of the 2013 one. And, but I hadn't watched the whole thing until, yeah, like a couple of years ago. And this one, like when I, when I first watched it, I was like, this is not for me. Like, I'm not, I'm just not into it. It wasn't tonally what I was expecting. And like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a different flavor than the first three. And I think coming off of those and then going into this, it was like hard left turn. And I just didn't turn with the movie. (laughs) I've watched it twice since. And every time I've liked this movie a little bit more. And I have a feeling that through conversation today, this might actually end up being something that I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm interested to talk about this one because like you said, Casey, the drug rehab as element of it is like something you don't see a lot in horror movies, especially like cabin in the woods, horror movies and Jane Levy's performance just keeps growing for me like i'm just like god she's really freaking good in this movie um and between those two things i kind of feel like this is becoming maybe not a favorite of the franchise but i'm at least starting to see what people are like yeah this is one of the best horror remakes that we have i'm starting to get there you know yeah the first time i watched this i was I didn't watch this in the theater, and I, I looking back at you know the year it came out twenty thirteen. It's kind of crazy I didn't because I was seeing like every new horror movie, especially one aimed at people like teenagers. Uh, it was kind of crazy that I didn't watch this. I watched this a few years later. I was in a hotel with a buddy, and we caught literally the last fifteen minutes of it with the blood rain. The and I was part. like, oh, <laughs> this. Why have I not watched this yet? This is incredible. So I immediately went to Walmart that was across the, the the street from the hotel we were staying at and purchased Evil Dead 2013 to watch it when I got home. Um, and I did. And then I really, I really liked it. And kind of like Sam, I, I grow more and more on this movie every time I watch it watch it uh I, even a few episodes ago i i already 
gave my rating on it. I said it was a five-star banger. It is a five-star banger. I think it's one of the greatest remakes of all time, if you want to call it a remake, no matter what genre. I think it's it's up there with, with John Carpenter's The Thing. It's up there with The Fly. It's up there with Peter Jackson's King Kong. It's one of the best uh, remakes of all time, in my opinion. And the reason I think it holds up so well is because the DNA of this movie is that of Evil Dead. It is the original, especially the original Sam Raimi movie, but it it is updated. It has its own spin on it. Fede really takes a lot of chances with this movie, which I find super interesting. Uh, you know, obviously Jane Levy is incredible in this movie. She is the perfect balance to what Bruce Campbell was in the original three movies. And seeing her as like, I love the, the biggest thing I love about this movie is taking the concept of, you know, the, the girl gets possessed by the deadite and then begins killing all her friends. And we have to have the hero at the end, take her out. Well, this movie's like, no, the deadite is the hero after mm -hmm. all. And I love the metaphor that it uses with, with her going through drug rehab. I think that is perfectly intertwined even if you're not expecting it right away especially for a movie called evil dead and the marketing that was behind this movie of like oh this is this is really just a movie about someone going through withdrawals and trying to find their place in the world and trying to come out a different person a better person on the other half well like someone's cutting their their tongue with a with a box cutter and ripping their <laughs> arm off and shoving a chainsaw into someone's face it has all that stuff too but <laughs> At, at the yeah, heart of it, it is, is it's about someone trying to, to to better their life. It's a splatter movie with depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's what's cool about it is, um, you know, Evil Dead Two, I think, might have been the the first soft reboot slash sidequel I've ever seen because it's mm -hmm. not like Evil Dead. You you both know Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two are kind of the same movie, yeah. but just kind of done better mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> um and so when i saw the the oldsmobile um and this is very clearly happening in the same universe it it seemed to be so much in the tradition of what sam raimi and bruce campbell and the whole team were doing with evil dead one and two just sort of uh, sending a message that this is going to be a remix and and it's deliberately going to challenge some of the expectations of the things that that you've seen before, sort of like Joe Bob says, sure, you've seen it before, but have you seen it with uh, X, Y, and Z? And that's sort of the, the, the approach that, that was taken. And I just thought it was extremely clever. I'm with you, Casey. I think it, it's one of those uh, remakes, reboots, that's absolutely essential, right up there with John Carpenter's The Thing. I think that um, what's cool about what the remake does is it's almost like, it's almost like this is what this is the film that Sam Raimi thought he was making with the first one, but just didn't have the resources to do it um, mm -hmm. because you don't really start getting into the humor aspect of it until about halfway through Evil Dead 2. And then it really ramps up. But the first one, you know, a lot of people think of of Ash as this one liner machine, but he's just a, a dude that's caught in a horrible situation in the first one. And mm -hmm. so I, I think you, uh, the, you, you were right. The DNA of this is all over the remake for that mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. I, so here's, here's, 
Casey knows I have some like hot takes around the Evil Dead franchise. So like the first Evil Dead is still my favorite Evil Dead. I don't know what it is about it. It just like I think it's the DIY punk rock attitude that that movie was made. It just it's not as good as Evil Dead 2. I agree that Evil Dead 2 was made better. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I pop on the first one before two almost any time. Uh, So it's just, it's one of those weird things for me. Um, But that said, you're right. Like this one with 2013, it does kind of feel like, because there's no humor in this one. I mean, it's like, it's a pretty pitch black movie. Like it's, it's pretty serious. Um, I've used the word dour to describe it. And I don't necessarily disagree with that word, but I may have used it too harshly in the past. Um, because like I, the last time I watched this, which was actually yesterday, I actually had kind of a bit of fun watching it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I finally knew what to expect. I was like, okay, this is what this movie is. And I went into it knowing and like I was, I walked away from it going like, yeah, it's still not like the cup of tea I'm going to pour first, but damn it if it isn't really like well done and really good and just has some really interesting ideas. And I definitely noticed on this watch a little bit more of the, the Ramyisms, the Dutch angles, the, I mean, I think this thing is lit incredibly like mm-hmm. the shadow work in this movie is I don't know. It's an, it's intense. The body horror. There's some like Cronenberg level stuff in this mm-hmm. one where I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and the the uh, his name slips in my mind, but the character who uh, originally reads the 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 book, the sort of self serious guy <laughs> with the the longer hair. Yeah. That, the thing that struck me the most about the most recent rewatch was how much abuse that guy takes through the film. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. he gets lit up over and over again and I, I don't know if this this might be a commentary on me but like just the 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 abuse that he goes through through the film almost became funny in a in a really yeah. weird way it's like I, I just kept thinking like what is what does the director have against this guy because <laughs> like he he takes it all I mean and he does and I, I too found it kind of funny, but in a, you kind of deserved it way. Right. Because he's, the, he's the star, he's the idiot that literally reads the text that says in red, like right next to it in red letters, do not read this. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he reads it out loud. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, you're the one that's going to get, you know, put through the most because you're the reason <laughs> this is all happening. <laughs> well, and, and he was, he was sort of the, the mansplainer earlier on in the yeah. film. That's like, you know, we really need to do this and this is the way we need to do it. And then he just totally screws the pooch for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a character like my first couple times watching, I didn't like, and I don't, I didn't like him on the third time, but at least on the third time I was kind of like, you know, I don't like this character, but I'm kind of enjoying like in a weird, sick way, like watching him get his due because Mm -hmm. come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're reading the Necronomicon, of course. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The the opening of this movie I want to talk about because the opening of this movie is a, it is a tone setter in every sense of the, of the term, because I, if you're going into this and you're like, okay, yeah, I love Evil Dead. 
Sure, the first one is kind of this low budget, but it's still having a lot of fun with its practical effects. Evil Dead 2 goes crazy. Army of Darkness, obviously, is a medieval Three Stooges movie. Um, and then you go into the 2013 one, and you're like, oh, cool, they're, they're remaking Evil Dead. And you walk into this, and the first five minutes, someone is burning, <laughs> you know, at, basically at the stake because they're a deadite. Uh, it, it is not what you expect, it is a dour opening to steal Sam's term earlier. Um, there's also some weird like body horror, body mutilation in the beginning of the movie too. That's like, oh, we haven't really seen this in an Evil Dead movie before. We've seen the Deadites and especially like their eyes and the and, and the makeup that they use for all the Deadites, but we haven't seen something this dark before. What it, what do you guys think of the opening of this movie in terms of? It's setting the tone for for the rest of the movie. I love this opening, but it's definitely also indicative of the reason that I don't pick this movie up as much as the other ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. Like, it's so good, but it's, it's almost too good at what it's doing to where I'm just like, oh. I'm mm -hmm. like you, Doug. I search for fun horror. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, the the opening's great. Um, it it's it's shocking in ways that like it's even shocking watching it today. And I'm like, that's really hard for a horror movie to do. It's really hard for a horror movie to be so visceral and and gutting. Still, like a decade on. You know, mm -hmm. when we've seen so many other things, you know, it's it's the same thing with like the scream opening. Like that's still terrifying somehow years later. And no one even has a landline anymore, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I love the opening of this movie. I'm I'm with you, Sam. I, I love the opening, too. It's a lot. Um, I It's one of those. It's another one of those moments where I came back to it at a different part of my life. You know, I've got a have got two daughters and so I was empathizing more with the dad mm -hmm. and just just horrified and shocked um, in, a, in a way that that I was completely it was out of my control. Mm -hmm. And so I, I I mean, that's it's it's, it's extremely effective. Um, but again, going back to that DNA of the series, um, the deadites get to you through the people that you love, whether it's your wife, Henrietta or whether it's your girlfriend who you've got to kill with a chainsaw and chop up <laughs> um, or whether it's your sister. And so um, that sort of familial, the through line uh, again, I think it was tipping a, a cap to that. And I thought in, but, but in a way that is we're, we're not screwing around at all. <laughs> like yeah. there's not going to be any dance number in the forest before the chainsaw <laughs> happens. There's just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh, this this movie could have used a little bit of a dance number, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a little, just a little musical number to get your tap in your toes right before you know. This right could have had a severed hand goes. flipping the bird to someone in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> that would have the, actually fit tonally. I feel like. Yeah. So so not not to plug my 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 stuff again, but uh, that is one plug of the. Away. That's one of the the sources of of the name Bad Hand Books is Ash's hand that went bad, and so um, it's very much tied up in the mythos of of what we're talking about. So um, yeah, it's anyway. Just wanted to put that detail in there. 
That's awesome. See, I'm gonna we didn't even it. know that. That's we just didn't. like a, a thing that we we just we were like we just knew Doug was gonna be our <laughs> evil dead guy. That's right. I, I guess I was you know it was destiny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna piggyback off that with the humor of the same of of the Sam, of the Sam Raimi movies and to something Sam said where he said this movie is not very funny. I disagree. I think it's kind of funny in a very, very dark way. It is funny, um, especially the end of this movie. I'm having a blast in the third act of this movie. I'm going nuts as soon as like it is super dark, like especially like a brother having to bury his sister, like just a oh. <laughs> ritter of a of a dead eye of an evil force. But that scene puts a pit in my stomach. It does. <laughs> Fun fact on that. I was looking through the IMDb trivia and I have some more to talk about later, but apparently Jane Levy was actually buried for that scene wow just to, like obviously certain parameters were there and precautions yeah. and stuff but to get the full effect of the scene she was she was buried between don't breathe and this movie that girl is a trooper like she is one of our best scream queens she's mm-hmm. so good <laughs> Bede likes to put her through the shit doesn't he yeah, yeah. like for real <laughs> what's crazy What's crazy, though, is that this is Fede's first feature film Mm -hmm. after Sam Raimi and co. discovered him through a short that he did that was basically like, it was kind of like a special effects, you know, extravaganza for this short. And he goes into this movie and this movie doesn't have a whole lot of the CGI and, and it uses it where it needs to. But the practical effects in this movie are are nuts. It's insane. Um, and that's kind of a hallmark of the Evil Dead series now through, you know, the original movies, this movie, Rise, and the TV show, Ash versus Evil Dead. The the practical effects in this movie, I think, are the probably the grossest. And I think one the, the one it reminds me of is in the original movie is getting the 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 pencil and the and mm. oh, the yeah. foot. It's like that's like every gore effect in this movie from someone cutting their their tongue so mm-hmm. cutting their cheek with the glass like it's just ever everything everything that grosses you out is in this movie yeah yeah the bread knife scene is the one that i always go back to like that scene is insane just when you think it's not gonna make it you know mm-hmm. you're like there's mm-hmm. no way that tiny bread knife's gonna cut through that arm and then it does and it's disgusting mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, when when it hits bone, it's just like oh, yep. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the moment I just cringe every time. Yep. <laughs> oh man, and it's not the only arm that gets ripped off in this movie either, and that's gross too. I was just yep. gonna say, Mia's arm at the end of this movie gets me because you see like, yeah, like the tendons little, and stuff. Yeah, the off. ligaments and stuff Ugh. they stretch a little bit first, yep. and you and can't like get that with dangling. CG. It's oh, like no. you've got it. Like there's a, you can tell there's a real thing there, and it's totally mm-hmm. convincing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, practical effects. Like I mean, I feel like that's the hallmark for for Evil Dead mm-hmm. in particular. Um, and I'm so glad that they didn't go like the Fright Night 2011 route because I love mm-hmm. that movie. But it's one of those movies that takes a practical effect classic and slathers CG over it, and it's like I would have just. Would have been a little bit like your story, your acting, everything was good, but it just needs that practical effect to like bump it up more. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what Evil Dead 2013 has in spades is that mm-hmm. practical gore. 
and the deadites look terrifying in this like the abomination when it rises up out of the ground after the blood rain yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. one thing i'm loving no eh, slight spoilers for evil dead rise that the the fi- quote-unquote final boss of these last two movies especially have been like what's the craziest thing we can think of and how cool can we make that look practically mm-hmm. yeah both of them yeah. knock it out of the park yeah but th- thematically coherent as well mm-hmm. because yeah she kind of does the the battle with herself and uh spoiler the 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 final girl in evil dead rise does battle with her entire family Mm -hmm. at once so yeah it's really tight yep oh yeah and i mean like the the idea of your drug adult self being the demon that you're then i mean chainsawing in half like (laughs) I, that I I don't know as as someone who has definitely like struggled with with certain things in life, it's like ah the metaphor just hits on a different level, and I just I don't know every time I watch this movie like it's weird to say this movie moves me a little bit, but it does like mm-hmm. that final that final moment is awesome in like the pump your fist rah rah kind of way, but it's also like oh shit this is cool like she is mm-hmm. defeating her actual demons. <laughs> If only all of our demons would just come out of the ground right in front of us and we could just change. Just change. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But isn't I, it isn't it cool, too, that that she doesn't get away unscathed? You know, she's forever yeah. changed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she yeah. doesn't just get better. She she, she pays a price for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a mo- th- this movie is emotionally the most satisfying Evil mm-hmm. Dead movie. Um, I mean, the first three, I don't know what emotion you can really connect to it besides like <laughs> having a, a, a ton of fun. It's not like you're going to be like, oh, no, what's going to happen to Ash? It's like, yeah, go get him, Ash. <laughs> Evil Dead Rise has more of it. But I think this one, especially I think Mia is one of the strongest characters in this entire franchise. And there's a reason mm-hmm. fans, including us, have been clamoring like, all right, let's let's bring back Mia for the next one. Let's 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 see her, you know, the next chapter in her, you know, evolution. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see Jane Levy actually return in a sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, honestly, I think it's going to happen. I feel like they've seen enough fans, like, especially after this new one where they're like, oh, we could do a team up now. It'll happen. Let's, It'll happen. Let's talk after Rise. I think we yeah. I think we can get into full spoilers there and talk about what's next for Evil Dead. I, yeah, for sure. Um, I have like th- a couple IMDb trivia things to throw out here before we wrap up our discussion on uh, the 2013 Evil Dead. Uh, 50 to 70,000 gallons of blood was used for this movie. Yeah, That's a lot of blood. <laughs> Uh, Diablo Cody po- uh, helped polish the script for this movie because uh, Fede Alvarez did not speak very much English at the time and kind of beefed up some of the the dialogue in the movie, which nice. I think you can kind of see some of that in this movie. Oh, yeah. And Gillian Jacobs and Lily Collins both auditioned for the role of Mia, which this no would have been, way. I think, a bit of... I don't know how I would feel about it. I like both of those actresses, but mm-hmm. I think this is a Jane Levy just knocks it out of the park. I can't see anyone else playing this role. 
Yeah, but I'm also a massive community fan. I am too. And I would love to see Gilead Jacobs do something this crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. I did not know that. Also, Bruce is there after the credits. That yes. that we should just throw out there. Yeah. Yeah. Groovy. 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 Yeah, he gets to say <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, final thoughts from you two. What, what would you give this movie out of five chainsaws? We're going to throw that out there. Chainsaws this time. I'm not at a five chainsaw yet, but I think yeah. I'm at a four chainsaw. I think this movie will probably go up to five chainsaws like most of the other Evil Dead movies for mm -hmm. me. Um, yeah, I, I really like this one. It is... Uh, it is a very different take on Evil Dead. It might not be the first one that I'm picking up off the shelf, but I especially understand for people who were big fans of like this era of horror in particular, mm -hmm. I could definitely see this being like an all-time classic for anyone like that. So, yeah, I dig it. Love it. Five five chainsaws out of five. Um, it's, uh, it's a wonderfully brilliant, bloody reimagining um, and I, I love what I love the most is that they didn't try to put Ash back in, in any way. Like they didn't have somebody try to somebody else try to play Ash or even an Ash like character. Um, yeah. they just charted their own path in this one and it was so brave and so effective that I just can't help, but give them all the accolades for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Five out of five chainsaws. This is, this is one of the all-time great horror remakes of all time it's it's gonna go down as a classic i think just just yeah. like the original evil dead evil dead 2 army of darkness i think it just fits in perfectly with the franchise it is tonally different but not not outside the world that Raimi established yeah. 30 plus years earlier I, I don't think it's out of the world but it's just tonally a little different than the rest of the movies yeah. Also, one more thing. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is, I don't know if I always trust Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to throw these numbers out there, though. Critics, 63%. Audience, 64%. i was kind of shocked by the low critic rating for this movie. I never am when it comes to, like, requels, sequels, reboots, that kind of thing, because those are always just so, especially today, are so divisive mm -hmm. um, most of the time for the wrong reasons. But, you know... Um, I don't know. I think I think this one's also gotten a lot of reappraisal in the last decade since yeah. it's been out. Um, because I remember this one not being like an instant classic when it came out. Like there were people that were kind of like I wasn't I wasn't an Evil Dead head back then, but like I had friends who were, and it was just some of them were pretty cool on it too, which is probably why it took me so long to even watch it. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I think this one has has gotten a reappraisal. I I agree. I think this is going to be a this is a modern day classic. Yeah. So you know it's a modern day classic because the critics are wrong. They hated yeah. the thing <laughs> as well, the remake <laughs> right. of the thing. So yeah. um, that's how you know for sure it's a modern classic. Mm -hmm. um, but but you know the other part of it is critics just think about 2013 and all the water that's gone into the under the bridge when it comes to horror like. The Shape of Water hadn't come out yet. It's it. Yeah. It wasn't yet cool or acceptable to be a critically acclaimed horror movie. Um, and since then, with Jordan Peele's influence, love what he's been doing to to give 
the genre some more mainstream credibility. I think you release that movie today and people go bonkers for it. It's just, it was a oh, different yeah. time, different time. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would agree with that. I think, I think between, yeah, between like a 24 and Jordan Peele and this mm-hmm. like new, this new brand, like, I don't want to say brand, but like this new, it's okay to be mm-hmm. a critically acclaimed, you know, and sometimes I kind of miss the like, okay, but it's okay to also just kind of be like a trashy horror movie too. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> by the way, by the way, Shape of Water had a dance number. It did. And it was <laughs> tremendous. I'm just saying, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the magical ingredient. <laughs> yeah. Horror movies with dance mom- numbers. More right. dance numbers in your that's horror right. movies. Yes. That's right. Okay. We, we cracked that code. Yeah. Doug, I, I think your 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 theory on the critical reappraisal of horror now, based on you know everything that's happened in the last decade, uh, I think that's that's gonna we're gonna bring that up again when we talk about Evil Dead Rise. Oh, because okay, uh, cool. I have those numbers too. But let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to Evil Dead Rise then. So full spoilers: if you have not watched Evil Dead Rise, we are gonna spoil it right away. So throwing out there throwing that out there let's uh let's jump into it so evil dead rise is the story of family motherhood and cheese graters evil dead rise brings the evil dead mythos to the to an urban environment as an la apartment becomes inhabited by deadites after a record player unleashes the demonic presence strange sisters beth and ellie fight to keep their children bridget uh ellie's children bridget danny and cassie safe from the Book of the Dead, Evil Dead Rise stars Lily Sullivan, Alice Sutherland, uh, Gabriel Eccles, Morgan Davies, and Nell Fisher. This was released just a few weeks ago, April 21st, 2023. It is written by, written and directed by Lee Cronin. Wonderful Irish bloke who I've been listening to on a bunch of podcasts recently. <laughs> Let's talk about that right away. Okay, I'm going to get yeah. one my one major negative of this movie out right away. Okay. The accents in this movie aren't great. <laughs> and I'm okay, okay with that because I love horror movies and I or acting is one of the last things I look look at in a horror movie. The acting in the movie is great. The accents in this movie are noticeable. It's like you guys are not American and I can I can tell. It's not enough to take me out of the movie. It's enough to for me to like point it out as yeah, you guys aren't American. So it's so funny because I've been hearing that same thing. Like, oh, the accents are terrible. I never noticed it in the movie. I think I was so in that I just, I don't know. I don't notice that stuff, though. When people talk about, like, waffling accents, it takes something, like, really bad for me to notice it because I just get so involved. I don't, I'm not a good critic, guys. I don't look at movies critically. I look at movies like, this is going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I do. I have fun with it. And uh, yeah, I I think my only gripe about Evil Dead Rise is that it isn't available at home already. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my only gripe. Uh, I love this movie. It was uh, I I texted Casey at one point this week. I've cooled my role a little bit. Like I know that like recency bias is a thing, but I told him at one point this week. I'm like Evil Dead Rise might be my favorite Evil Dead movie. I think it's my second favorite Evil Dead movie, but. This one really worked for me in a way that, like, I don't know. I just haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it, like, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Doug, what did you think of this one? I, it blew my socks off. Um, and I, I'm kind of 
you know, I, I did notice the, the accents and it, it wasn't really a, a, not even close to a deal breaker, but you know, when, when someone isn't extremely practiced in a particular accent or like if a British or Australian actor is playing a, an American, typically you hear it when they start to yell or they start to speak faster. And unfortunately in horror and in, unfortunately in <laughs> this particular film, you get a lot of that. Um, but at the same time, when those moments hit, they're so emotionally fraught that it was easy to just give it a pass because yeah. their performances themselves were ridiculously good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the, the emotional stakes for this film are probably the highest and tightest of any um, evil dead flick. And that is saying something when you look at the 2013 remake where they're, they're cranked up pretty tight there, but it was, it was almost like, a game of thrones situation where it was like okay you're not really gonna kill that person are you <laughs> yup yeah i was about to say the answer the answer about nine times out of the ten times you ask that question is yes in this movie <laughs> yeah it, i just found myself constantly just going oh my they they did it mm -hmm. they did it <laughs> i just i still haven't recovered yeah, we had a Casey and I had a couple of people walk out of our screening. The first time we asked, "Oh, they're not going to do that," and they did it. Yeah, we we had people get up and walk out, and I was like, <laughs> we were kind of laughing because it's this movie is really funny. Kind of, really... Sam. I was going to say, Sam, kind of laughing. We were losing our minds. Okay, when, yeah, we were. We when, were laughing when, when Stephanie, Stephanie when Stephanie is finally used in this movie. Which is, so great. which is set up in the first like 15 minutes when when that finally comes into use we're like one we're like oh my god they actually did that two that is hilarious and so much fun N not everybody in our theater thought the same uh, as apparently four people like, was it four people it was four people four people walked out of our screening at that moment oh that my god scene i was like oh it's gonna get so much worse for, yeah. for everybody and i was like and i was right i mean it did like Stephanie was the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, so I, uh, I went at a really odd time. It was like uh, a 1230 matinee on a, <laughs> on a Friday. And so I had, I was almost alone in the theater, but there was this group of women of a certain age and they looked like, um, Oh no. They just like, I know I shouldn't have these, these snap judgments or preconceived notions. Cause I get upset when, when people level them at me, but it was, it was like a knitting circle came to evil dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, it, it wasn't that I, that I was laughing at them, but I just, I just thought, are you, do you know, like, do you know what you're doing to yourself? <laughs> And I wanted so badly to warn them. And I thought I was going to have one of those moments where, you know, they would, but they stuck it out and they were, they were like, they were champs because I could hear them making comments and they were like saying the things to each other that I was thinking. <laughs> and so like by the end of it, my perception completely changed. And I thought I need to have a beer with these ladies because <laughs> they freaking rock. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that, I, that that was that was like uh, it made my movie going experience like way up. <laughs> oh yeah, I love when you have. I've had that before where you have a group come in to a movie and you're like, oh, come on. Like, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you try not to. I agree. You try not to have the preconceived notions. And then they prove you wrong anyways. And you're like, yeah, preconceived notions are bullshit. Like, yeah. you people rule. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to high five, you know. I was, yeah. Like, I don't want to be awkward, but you, like, you, you're cool. <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to just like meet everybody at a horror screening sometimes? Yeah. Just, yes. like, especially like a good crowd where like everybody it's just like, okay, what's everybody's name and number? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> we should all hang out. <laughs> the the bad thing about like going to horror movies around here sometimes, at least for me, is like I'm the one in the back like cackling at all the crazy <laughs> shit going on. Like we went to Terrifier 2 and there's that scene in Terrifier 2 and I'm losing my mind in the back row and no one in front of us is reacting at all. I'm like, how are you just not reacting to this? At least Evil Dead Rise, we had reactions throughout the entire movie, um, including yeah. people leaving, someone yelling at the screen, oh no, don't do that. A couple times. <laughs> no, I think one of those times actually might have been, might have been you. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible. Sometimes sometimes I forget I'm in a movie theater and I will I'll like talk to the character. I'll be like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Guys, we have to talk about the opening of this movie because the opening yeah. of this movie is incredible. I love the the drone shot going through the woods, like the the OG uh Sam Raimi shot. Um and just the reveal of it being a drone. I'm like, yes, I like that you're you, you guys know what you're doing in this and kind of subverting our expectations and also letting us know like, hey, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, the opening of this movie and this might be one of my favorite title card reveals of any horror movie. Any um, movie. Or well, any movie too. <laughs> but horror movies especially, like you don't always think of like great title card openings to a horror movie. This one has one of the best ever. It is... It is incredible. It is a piece a work of, of art. art. Yeah. Of its, yeah, on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, people have been sharing that screenshot all over. And I'm just like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible. Also, the drone thing was really cool. I just want to go back to the drone real quick. Because the entire time we were going through the forest, I was sitting there going like, the camera works too smooth. Why is it not shaky cam? Like, I, I get that, you know, they're going through the woods and all. I'm like, no, this is too smooth. Like what the technology has made it too much. And then when they reveal that it's a drone, I was like, ah, hell yeah. Okay. They know what they're doing because when they bring back the demon at the high rise, it's the shaky cam mm -hmm. again. And I was like, that's a nice touch. That's a really nice touch that they did that. I, I, I appreciated it. So. And I love the, uh, the whole movie just sort of reminded me of you know when you have the torture scene in a movie and the guy who comes in and he rolls out his little cloth and it's got all the tools like that is what they that's what lee cronin did but at movie scale so it's like <laughs> you see the drone you realize it's a drone you're like oh shoot like that's going in somebody's face and sure they enough make the comment, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or you could have taken my head off or something yep. or like Stephanie. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So he just, he lays out the tools 
and you know, you just know, like, and it eats at you until it happens. And it's just a masterwork of here's what I'm going to do to you, but I'm going to make you wait for it. (laughs) It's just so good. I, I know I'm gushing, but like, there are so many moments in the film where he's like, all right, here's the thing that's yep. uh, going to torture you. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen, but stuff's going down. Mm-hmm. And then yep. it does. And it's so satisfying. Yeah, it's great. And gush away. This is what we do on this show. We <laughs> oh, this is going to be um, fully <laughs> gushing from now on. In this movie. Yeah. I, I, I had so much fun watching it. And like you said, Doug, there is, he lays out every single thing in this movie. And some people, I've been hearing people saying that as a negative. I'm like, how is that a negative? Sure, it's like letting you know what's going to happen, but it's like you already know what's going to happen. You're watching yeah. a movie called Evil Dead Rise. You know crazy shit's going to happen. Why not have fun with teasing us on what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, with, with Stephanie, with the drone, with the cat in the, in the vents, you yeah. have the... Which, thankfully, I mean... He makes the, the right call lives. on the cat. Yeah, the cat lives, and I appreciate that. Or at least we don't ever see the cat die, yeah. and I appreciate that. I hate when they kill the cat. You don't get the, kill the cat. You get the image <laughs> of the wood chipper. You get the garage door garage yeah. door opener. Like there's so much stuff set up in this movie that Lee does so well on paying off by the yeah. end of it. it. It's it is perfect screenwriting for this type of horror movie. Of it is a thrill ride from the beginning to the end, and you're going to have a blast watching it. Whereas I think I, this movie does have a lot more fun with itself than the 2013 movie, but it still is like punching you in the face with like how dark and it like both of you said it goes there throughout it's this nasty. entire movie. Yeah, yeah, it's mean, mm-hmm. and I, I love, and I love that Lee Cronin's just like, why have one Chekhov's gun when I can just put like six in here? Yeah. Like, because it's it's not just like the it's not like Alfred Hitchcock's bomb in a box that no one knows about. It's like the whole place is wired to explode. Yeah. I love yeah. it. It it cranks it up to eleven in the best way, and when when you when you look at the cast of characters. And a majority of them are under 18. The first thing you think is like, oh man, this is going to be like some, like, it's going to be a little Spielberg, right? Where it's like, it's, it's Jurassic Park. The kids are just going to be safe. And nope. it just proves you wrong almost instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as yeah. soon as you start thinking that it's like, no. <laughs> and I just can't, I, I keep going back to that. I just couldn't believe that they, that they just kept on putting the hammer down the way that they did. And the thing that I noticed about this one that was different and correct me if I'm wrong, but like once you're a deadite deadite in this film, that's it for you. Like Mia went back and forth. uh, Ash went back and forth, but like once it has you in this film, you're, you're toast, you're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was something that was, I sort of expected like, may, okay, maybe the mom's going to come back and she's going to have this moment where, oh, I do love my family. I have time for them. And um, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's a dark movie. And the ending, they, they kind of like try and like make the ending uh, uh, like a little bit hopeful <laughs> in a way. And it's, it's a nice touch, but I'm also like, no, those people are irreversibly scarred. Like that little girl is never going to be the same again. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like she killed her own sister with Stephanie. She's gonna be like messed up for the rest of her life. It's she, it's she helped put her mom and brother and sister through a wood chipper as they were <laughs> deformed yeah. society looking deadite. The shunting. Okay. Yeah. It had to have been a it had to have been a society riff, oh, right? 100 like, percent Lee Cronin definitely was like, Yeah, we're gonna do a deadite shunting. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great name for a band, Deadite Shunting. Yeah, deadite shunting. <laughs> oh man. I love in this movie the setup of obviously we have we have in all of these movies someone reading from the Book of the Dead from the Necronomicon, Deadites get unleashed. That's kind of just like you need that in your Evil Dead movie. I like that this is like this condemned old falling apart apartment complex in L.A. and underneath it is this like cellar with with the book of the, with the third Book of the Dead and these records. Someone and took time to press Jesus. and a scary yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, someone took time to press these records on like, hey, don't read this book, but <laughs> we're gonna press these records to make sure you don't read this book. Um, don't I like this book, but here's us reading this book. Here's us Pressed reading on the book. vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> I like that vinyl was the thing being used, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's a clever yeah. way to bring it up to the modern day, which is kind of weird to say, hey, let's let's have someone play a record and that's the most modern thing you could do but it it it, it is no one's going to have the tape player ash used the in in the original movies mm-hmm. um so yeah. let's let's bring it up to, to modern day and again what's it allows cool, for though? so many great scares too with it mm-hmm. oh yeah and what's cool too is like they don't it, it's a 75 which they don't make record players for anymore so that's why the kid has to actually like spin it on his finger to get the right rotation and i'm just like you didn't have to do that. You could have just made it a 33 and no one's going to make like the amount of detail that goes mm-hmm. into everything is so mm-hmm. insane in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, question, Casey. Question for the group. Oh, yeah. sorry. I, Oh no, well, no, let's no. Go no. back to Casey first. I feel like I interrupted you, Casey. I no, you are fine. No, okay. You, you are fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I've got a question for the group. So they, they make a reference to the three books of the dead, the three Necronomicai. Um, and so are, are we talking about the original one from the Raimi series, the one from the, the Alvarez film, and then this one, those are the three. Yep. And Cronin has actually gone on. I think it was post-mortem with Mick Garris. He confirmed that. And he said he, he went to that. uh, He went to Raimi with that idea. He's like, I think it was like army of darkness. Ash finds three books. Right. Yep. And so like they, in the universe, there's three Necronomicons already established. And so I think Cronin actually went to Raimi and said, Hey, you have one. Alvarez has one. Let me make the third one. And I think that's really cool. His mm-hmm. might be my favorite Necronomicon too, just because of how nasty it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's got teeth. I love that. The teeth of the best. Like, <laughs> oh, such a cool, I don't know. Yeah. See, this is what we do, Doug. We gush on this podcast, <laughs> especially if it's evil. That, yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I love that this 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 movie and just kind of the internet talk of 2013 is like establishing that all of these movies take place in the same universe, and that Ash gets his own, Mia has hers. Now we get the third book of the dead, and maybe we'll get the crossover. I don't know. We can talk about that. Oh, let's just talk about it right now. We'll pause our discussion on the actual <laughs> goopy gore filled movie to discuss this. But I think that we're 
going to get the crossover. I want us to get a Beth and Mia, like, yeah, team up. And then give, th- give Bruce Campbell, like, a cameo in the end, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, but better than that movie, please. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bring him back for a third act, like, fun cameo thing. Yeah, let him let this be his swan song doing this big crossover with the three books finally kind of coming together. Um, and I think that's kind of the way you can look at doing a, the next movie is like having each of these characters get a third of the movie and you end the movie with Bruce coming back and there's this big climax and it's all right, now we're into the fun stuff because both the 2013 one and this one uh, like really like amp up the, the craziness, Evil Dead 2 type of craziness in their third acts. If you're going to do another one with Bruce, let him be that third act craziness that you introduce. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get at least a, a Mia and Beth crossover. Uh, Jane Levy has been doing press for this movie and she has yeah. nothing to do with it at all. And it's like, why are you bringing her back if she's not involved with this? Yeah. Oh, it's to just get fans hyped. Hey, do you guys want to see this? We might do it. Here's her doing press on it. I think we're going to get at least that. And the fans responded by making this movie $100 million at the yeah. box office. So it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I would, love to see, I would love to see a road movie like a Thelma and Louise like meets Evil Dead. And then yes. you get, I love the idea of bringing Bruce back in the third act, but you've got sort of like, they're on this journey to uh, they maybe don't have possession of their respective books, but they know where they are. And then yeah. they don't know what's going on with the third one. And there's only one guy in the universe who can, who can put the nail in the, the coffin. Mm-hmm. Doug, See? when the WGA strike is over, you got to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> idea man that's awesome it's so easy they just roll up to an s-mart in the third act and they come across this this guy just this old man working there i love it yeah yeah oh my gosh i think we just wrote the the next evil dead movie guys and and as they come up (laughs) into the s-mart like he's giving the rundown of the shotgun like he does an army of darkness but he's selling it to like just a normal dude Top of the line. S Mart's top of the line. <laughs> and the guy's like, can I just buy it, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay. See? Yeah. Let's just let's just do it, guys. Yeah. All oh, right. Man. Sam Sam Raby, be look be on the lookout for our pitch for Evil Dead. <laughs> Evil Dead rolls. Rolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Shit writes itself, right? Could happen. Could happen. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Okay, to get back to this movie, I'm going to use yeah. a, a transition to my favorite scene of this movie is the the homage to Evil Dead Two, where okay, so the, in the movie the mom gets possessed, and again, I think a lot of people are talking about the the line "Mommies with the bangets now," and hearing that in the movie, I'm like, that's that's gross, that's terrifying. I yeah. hate all that, yet I love it because. It's perfect. But once shit starts to hit the fan and there's that hallway scene where we're just looking through the the peephole in the door. The peephole scene's so good. It's so good. All the craziness (laughs) that goes on. And someone gets an eyeball shot into their mouth and they choke and die. I'm like, yes, thank you, Lee. You you are clearly a fan of Evil Dead 2. 
Did you guys know that that's the Bruce Lee or the Bruce? Uh, oh my gosh, why am I messing up names today? Bruce Campbell <laughs> cameo is in the eye bite. The sound, the ADR is him biting an apple. Ah. It's Bruce Campbell biting an apple, and that's the sound of Alyssa Sutherland biting the eye bite. <laughs> that is that is lovely because she really like goes all mouth like oh, yeah. over that sound. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, that, that was maybe the most graphic eye bite I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen a ton of them, but Ooh, I was, it was I, gross. And I, then she didn't even have the decency to eat it. You know? No, no, but I didn't know that. That's awesome. So he yeah. got like the vocal cameo, mm -hmm. like a yep. Bugs Bunny cameo eating carrots, but eating an <laughs> yeah. apple. Exactly. I just love that Bruce is probably hanging out in the editing room for this and like, Hey, where can I help out? Yeah. <laughs> Which the is such a, just such, like bite this apple. <laughs> it's such a Bruce thing to do because that's what he did on the original trilogy too. He's like he helped with everything Raimi did after they finished production too. So it's it's nice to see Bruce is still just like, yeah, where can I, where can I help? <laughs> Eat this apple in front of this microphone, Bruce. He's he's a team player. He's a yeah. team player, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Had no idea. That's cool. Now I want to see yeah. it again. Mm -hmm. Right? I, it should be available at home already. I'd spend $30 just to own this digitally. <laughs> I just just give it to me early, Warner Brothers. <laughs> to go back to some of the gore, I want to talk about the kitchen scene with the cheese grater because I've seen some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with that Lee's been sharing. Uh, it's so good. It's such a great sequence of events of the the oldest daughter just standing on the on the kitchen counter just eating this wine glass and it's so disgusting and you see like the glass go down her throat mm -hmm. and it's like oh it's awful and then it, and then it pokes through like yeah. yeah just for the just a little bit oh uh, and then it keeps moving it's just oh man yeah. and it's the whole like i'm trying to kill the bugs in my stomach line it's mm -hmm. like oh no <laughs> Oh my gosh, the lines that the Deadites have in this movie are all just bone chilling. Like, mm -hmm. none of them. I mean, I'm pretty sure one of them uses the C word, and that yep. made me laugh, but it also sent a chill up my spine because I'm like, oh, these these Deadites are they're just so mean to these kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these literal children. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, and the, the the cheese grater is is iconic. And I think for the same reason that that some of the other gore uh, that we've touched on, like the, the hypodermic needle to the eye in the remake, just underneath there, mm -hmm. it's it's like these things that everybody has not that not that I've taken a needle to the eye or a cheese grater to the 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 calf, but like have you ever been grating cheese and gotten too close and oh, nick yeah. your knuckle on that? Like so it's something that everybody or most people can relate to it's a horrible sensation and then just amping it up to uh yeah just uh, proportions like seeing so like, someone's skin like go through the grater like it is che string cheese coming out the other end it's right, so disgusting. Like, like even if you you don't know what that feels like because you've nicked your knuckle on a cheese grater enough times you know what it would feel like mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. terrible <laughs> yep and that's like, that's the beauty of the Evil Dead movies, I think, especially. And 
the first couple of saws do this really well too, where they find things that it's like, you know what it's like to be poked by a needle. Mm-hmm. What would it be like to be poked by like a thousand of them? And you're like, right. oh no, please don't. <laughs> yeah. And then they do. And it's wonderful. And I show up and I give them my money for the <laughs> mental torture <laughs> of, oh God, why am I watching this? <laughs> it's great. It's horror in a nutshell, right? One of the scariest scenes is also involving that daughter for me of after they, after she gets staffinied, uh, they tie her up in the bed and she's wearing this you know, <sighs> bed, white bed sheet and she's all tied up and you get this scene of like the little girl standing there and you see the white sheet walking down the hallway and it like floats at, like at her. It is, it is the stuff of nightmares in this movie. It is terrifying. It is something that will stick with you along with the gore is how scary a lot of this movie is. Yeah. And it's, it's claustrophobic too. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of people that are kind of uh, disappointed that they didn't use the whole high rise. I'm like, it wouldn't work in a whole high rise. Then just watch demons too. You know? Yeah. The whole high rise is like, non-essential you're living with this family who is now stuck up here because the elevator's out the stairwell crumbled and the only way out is through a locked apartment that they don't have a key to they are trapped with a force of evil and that's like without that there's no movie they just leave the high rise you know i i i love the fact that they they take a big high rise and the only reason they do it is to trap their characters in one specific part of it. It's like crawl. It's literally all in a basement until, you know, the last act and then it's crazy. But that's the same thing with this one. They move out of the top floor eventually. But it's just, mm-hmm. it's nuts. It's that thing where you're just like, it, it's scarier when there's no escape. It's scarier when it's claustrophobic, when the walls are literally closing in on you. And that's something that Cronin totally takes to his advantage here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Casey, to your point about the the image of the girl floating in in the sheet, it's it's one of those things that should be stupid, right? It's it's like the mm-hmm. most cliched. Ooh, this is a ghost, right? Like that's what a ghost looks like in a movie, yeah. but it's done in such a way that it's absolutely bone chilling. And that's maybe my favorite part of it because I had this moment of awareness where I'm like, I, this should, this should be stupid, but I'm, I've got goosebumps Mm -hmm. and that makes it even better because it's sort of like, it's almost like an out of body experience where you're watching yourself react to something and you're saying, I shouldn't, this shouldn't be getting to me because it's because I've seen it so many times before, but in the context, in the execution, it's so effective. And Lee Cronin is a genius for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. He is, you can tell Lee is a massive horror fan himself. One, because he is pitching to like Sam Raimi of like, hey, by the way, there's three books. There's three different directors that have worked on these. Let's combine it that way. That's such a nerdy thing to approach yeah. <laughs> approach the producer about. Little, I mean, it's at least it's Sam Raimi, so it's like, okay, yeah, he understands that. But there's so many other references in this movie. I mean, there's more references to Evil Dead 2 with them all chanting Dead by Dawn in the hallway, which is terrifying Rules. in this movie. <laughs> there's a couple shining references in this movie, including like the, the shot of like the hands on the 
on the door and you get the shot from underneath um and then you get the blood elevator too i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna borrow elements you might as well borrow from Raimi and kubrick like that's mm-hmm. yeah those are two masters that you can definitely you know lean into in, in your oh, own yeah. movie and put your own little spin on it yeah and that's the best thing is he doesn't just settle for borrowing he takes it and he amps it up a little bit or twists it in his own way you know the blood elevator in the shining is a cool visual but what if there were people trapped in that blood-filled elevator i mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's little things like that that kick every sequence up a notch um there's also he he said he didn't want to give away too much of the magic trick but apparently they tried to fill an entire elevator with blood they tried it with water first instead of you know expensive fake blood um but they just couldn't find a practical, safe way to do it with the stunt people in there. And so there are some really cool tricks that they used where it's just like boxes that are they are like clear containers that they're filling up with blood in front of a camera. And it's old school filmmaking, sure. But it was just like hearing him talk about how they did it. I was like, this is so cool. Like, it's so neat to hear the like, I don't know. It. it as someone like Casey and I both kind of dabble and we're trying to get some film projects off the ground as someone who's like in the indie film scene, it's cool to hear stories like that of like, Oh man, if I want to fill an elevator with blood, I don't have to fill an elevator with blood. Mm -hmm. I can do this or this. There are like other options. And the way he kind of talked through, I really recommend his postmortem with Mick Garris. It's great. Cause he, he talks about like all the different behind the scenes, the practical effects, um, and a lot of the conversations that went into the story um, behind this movie. And it, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool, cool interview from a writer's perspective, from a filmmaker's perspective. There's, there's a lot to dig in there. So nice. Yeah. Not that and, I'm trying to plug a different podcast on our own, but you know, no, no, <laughs> I, Mick I, is I, pretty good at the podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> but I take your point. Um, it, and it's, it's really cool that, and inspiring that even somebody like Lee Cronin, who's got resources, mm-hmm. has still got to get creative and do mm-hmm. things in a way that not only works, but it's within budget and, you know, keeps everybody safe. And there are these ways that you can force perspective to do it. Not easy, not cheap, but like effectively, I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah, because there's never a moment in that sequence where you don't believe those two characters are in that elevator about to drown in blood. Yeah. Like, it's nail-biting from the start to the end. And it's, yeah, it's insane. It's just, it's so cool how movies, I mean, just art in general comes together. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, he also took inspiration from the Disney classic Lilo and Stitch in this movie, too, by having... The mom put her finger on the record player and open her mouth to have it speak. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> Stitch I does, about that. Stitch does that in Lilo and Stitch. Oh yep. my God, <laughs> <laughs> he does. I, now, he, now I feel like we have to find Lee Cronin and ask him if that was intentional. If he's a Lilo like, and Stitch fan, yeah, yeah. I mean, as as a kid who grew up, like you know, Lilo and Stitch was a monster movie that was made available to me i loved it (laughs) so yeah that's cool the okay let's talk about the the final act of the movie in in the parking garage um i i had a 
ton of fun watching the final act of this movie. It was not what I was expecting at all going into the movie. Uh, I knew the chainsaw would come into play at some point because it's an Evil Dead movie. I was not expecting a society deadite at the end with the mom and the two teenagers combined into this gross giant monstrosity that's running around the car chasing after them. It's so gross. It's so it's so visually interesting too and it's not something we've seen in an any other evil dead movie what did you guys think of the overall ending and especially like the do they have a name for this monster yet i don't know if they've because i heard a few people call it the abomination but i'm like you can't call it the abomination because that's the jane levy dead eye from the end of evil dead 13 so i don't know what we're gonna call this one but like i read that they called it the uh i don't remember where i read it but i read that they called it the marauder the marauder yeah it's a cool name <laughs> so for whatever that's worth yeah all right well i think the marauder is free and sweet i don't mm-hmm. understand people who are like oh it kind of lost a little something for me when that happened i'm like as soon as they started doing the society bit i was like i'm in this is mm-hmm. cool <laughs> um it's gross it's something we haven't seen in an evil dead movie um it makes me want an evil dead like kaiju movie where a whole mass like a giant mass of, you know, deadites are formed together and they're destroying a city. Maybe that can be part of the road trip. And you have trip. to fight three <laughs> people with chainsaws. I think that's the movie right there. Yeah, so. there you go. Yeah, it might it might come up out of the ground of an S Mart. Who knows? In the third act, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> I I thought it was cool too. Um, and again sort of we're talking about remakes and reboots and things like that when the marauder was on the move all i could think about when i wasn't in awe of what they were accomplishing on screen was was how much better the remake of the thing could have been the 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 reboot you know of the the norwegian camp um but instead you know they they did a bunch of cgi but there's that creature at the end that's basically two bodies that are uh fused together and it made me think like Mm -hmm. oh what could have been and they actually pulled it off here it was it was really cool yeah i agree and as someone who i don't i don't hate the 2011 one but that's like one of the biggest detriments to Mm -hmm. i think any horror movie is the the use of cg in that and not good cg you know Mm -hmm. it's crazy like uh and yeah, when the when the three-headed monstrosity, when the marauder shows up, that's that's exactly what it brought to mind was something like out of the thing. But it felt like something that could have been in John Carpenter's thing as opposed yeah. to like the 2011 one. And I just, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. What could have been with that movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the marauder's a winner in, in, in my book. Casey, yep. did you like the marauder? I did like the Marauder. Obviously, I loved the the way they went about putting them all together because I love society. Um, and as soon again, like Sam said, like as soon as you see like body parts like morphing like they did, instantly brought me to to society. But uh, yeah, again, I wasn't expecting it. I think was my biggest thing of like I was not expecting a three headed deadite with the mom and two teenagers to be the final boss that they're facing. The one thing I didn't like in the finale, I wish she had a one-liner. Oh, yes. Any other, Ash gets one. Mia even gets one at the end of the 2013 one. I wish she had something. I don't know what 
what would have been the line and maybe it doesn't feel appropriate with when you're shoving a chainsaw into your sister and your niece and nephew <laughs> and pushing them into a wood chipper but you could have at least said something fun i don't know yeah she could have said something like you brought potato salad to the family potluck one time and then shoved them in <laughs> i don't know you're off the christmas card list <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> Yeah. Mom always said it and I needed to be more chipper and then push. Oh, okay. That's the winner. Ding that's, ding ding. That's yeah. it. That's the one. Come on, Lee Cronin. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I I I think uh Evil Dead Rises It's a winner. If I hadn't just seen Guardians Volume Three, I think I would have said it was my favorite movie of the year. But that movie like unexpectedly moved me in ways I was not anticipating. So <laughs> uh, Evil Dead Rise is my second favorite movie of the year and the first movie of this year that I think mm-hmm. I'm maybe going to award five stars to, I think. Five, I think cha- I, five chainsaws, Sam? Five chainsaws, yes. Five yeah. chainsaws to Evil Dead Rise. Um, this, is, this is like damn near perfect for me. I really, like there's not... There's not anything I would change about this movie except for maybe the one-liner thing. I agree. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't notice accents. So everyone else's big thing is like, I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maria once told me, she's like, you know, you're not in a very observant person. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but isn't, isn't that kind of a boss move though by Lee Cronin? Like, I've given you everything, everything in this movie. And guess what? I'm not going to give you (laughs) (laughs) like that. That's, that is the boss move. Um, So from that standpoint, I can appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Doug, what would you give the evil dead rice out of five chainsaws? Easy five chainsaws. That's a different beast altogether than anything that's come before. But what's, what's cool about the evil dead series is like, it's the most consistent franchise I think we have, Um, but tonally all over the place. Mm -hmm. So consistently entertaining, tonally diverse. Um, It just fills in that gap that you never knew you wanted. So it's, it's awesome. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like an ice cream bar. Like there's so many different flavors and it's like, yeah, you love ice cream, but like, you're going to pick one flavor over the other, but they're all delicious. Yeah. They're You're just, talking about ice cream. Great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the greatest horror franchise of all time. Evil dead. And I think they're, I think scream is a close competition, but I just think the highs of evil dead far outweigh the highs of the scream series or the even looking at the lows, like I think the lows, which there aren't many for Evil Dead, are far better than the lows of the Scream franchise. Um, the lows are still like three and a half star movies. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think this is the greatest horror franchise of all time. I'm giving this one four out of five chainsaws for now, knowing full well when I rewatch it, it's going to be a five star movie. Um, I'm just waiting for it to 
to come home and rewatch it and I can give it the, the five chainsaws then. Um, the last little bit I have here, I'm going to give us the uh, Rotten Tomato scores and one little piece of IMDb trivia that we did not touch on. It is that this movie, like Sam said, has grossed $100 million already at the box office for a movie that was set to be released on HBO Max, which is kind of insane that uh, Warner was just going to, I, I say just going to jump dump this on HBO Max, which uh, that's not a, a dig at any other movie that gets put on a streaming service instead of theaters. But looking at how rabid horror fans have been for this movie, mm-hmm. showing up for it, having it gross $100 million, one, we are going to get another Evil Dead movie very soon. And I think we are going to see Warner Brothers putting more of their stuff theatrically and pushing it a lot more. This had a great marketing uh, push for it and I think they're going to hopefully do something right at, at Warner Brothers it's not always the, the easiest thing for them to do but I think this is going to be a case where they, they look at the analytics and the analytics are showing oh my god this movie made 100 million dollars on a minimal budget yep it's a good time to be a horror fan mm-hmm. right now yeah. it is uh rotten tomato scores uh like Doug said for Evil Dead the 2013 movie we have seen uh, a little bit of a critical reappraisal for horror movies. I think this is indicative of that. Critics, 84%. Audience, 77%. I think the the 23% of audience is those people that walked out at staff <laughs> that, yeah, are, yeah. that are leaving yeah. bad reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but yeah, 84% from critics. I think that is really good for a studio horror film, studio fifth film in a franchise as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's everybody involved with this movie has to be super happy with everything with the, 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 the returns on it and the critical response. And they all should be like tremendous job. They knocked it out Mm -hmm. of the park. They really did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And in particular kudos to Alyssa Sutherland. Yes. Um, She is iconic Mm -hmm. and uh, deserves whatever good things are coming her way after this. Um, Just the range uh, in this one performance, um, if if the Academy was was a little more serious about giving horror some <laughs> yeah. love, I, yeah. I think honestly, I think this is as good as any performance you'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for one, yeah. Between between like the human version of her character before mm-hmm. she's possessed and everything she does afterwards, I mean, she's the best deadite in the entire franchise yeah. by a mile. And mm-hmm. I just, oh yeah, she's great. Uh, you know. Casey and I, we, we talk a little bit about award season and how we don't put much stock in it, but we do love the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. And if yeah. she's not nominated for a Fango Chainsaw next year, like something's wrong. <laughs> There's no justice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. She's phenomenal. And just the the way that she completely throws herself into the, the meanness mm-hmm. of all of it. Yeah. And and what a job it is to have to be mean to kids, even though it's acting, it's mm-hmm. just wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And that line right before she actually mm-hmm. like dies and then becomes the deadite, the like it's in me, save my kids. I'm like, oh god, that hurts my heart. Like yeah. especially because at that point in the movie, it's pretty clear that not all of them are making it. It's yep. like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's a total tour de force performance. Just yeah. Wow. 
Well, yeah. huge recommends for Evil Dead Rise from all three of us. This is this is one to see in the theater with a crowd, yeah. as we have all said. No matter no matter if, if your crowd stays through the entire movie <laughs> or if they leave halfway through, uh, this is this is a crowd pleaser for sure. There's entertainment value in having both crowds. <laughs> so, yeah. Doug, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We we appreciate it. And uh, gosh, it's been so much fun talking to Evil Dead with you, man. Oh, man. Sam, Casey, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It's a great way to cap off my weekend. So um, yeah. we got to stay in touch and geek out over yeah. movies some more. This has been great. For sure. For sure absolutely we have to we'll have to have you back maybe closer to to supercon because i know you're going to be there and obviously we're going to be yeah. running the film festival this year so we'll we'll think of something yeah. maybe closer to that and do another episode oh nice yeah i'd love it i'd love it and in any event this has been freaking amazing so good luck with this show good luck with everything that you're doing um and thank you yeah thank you so yeah. much doug Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for for coming on. And before we let you go, though, let's let's plug yeah. Bad Hand Books one yeah. more time, and we'll yes. plug our stuff, and we'll get to the end. But where can people follow you and your work? So you can go to badhandbooks.com, and that will get you to uh, all the books that we've got. Um, that site is always expanding, so I'm going to be putting news and content that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and then you can follow us on social media. We've got Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, um, at Bad Hand Books. So I believe that there are underscores between the words. Um, but just if, if you can't find us, try a couple of different combos and you'll get us. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Go ahead, All Sam. Right. I'm good? Yeah, okay. Sorry, I forgot I do the plugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, if you like Screams from the Basement and you want more, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and Anchor. And you can always watch the show on YouTube. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as we say, just about every episode, and we promise we're getting on it, but we're going to we're gonna actually be active on TikTok when we figure it out, because we're old people. <laughs> sure. So, we, we might yeah. be. I don't know. I don't know. We like might it. be. We're going to try. We're going to try, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I, I thought about mentioning our TikTok uh, channel, but it's it's horrible. I'm horrible at TikTok, so <laughs> you can technically follow Bad Hand Books on TikTok, but yeah. Hey, we're <laughs> right. We're right there with you. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh man. Well, that's that's been screams that's from the show. basement. Thank you, Doug, again for coming and joining us. This has been so much fun to geek out with Evil Dead and talk about our mutual lack of TikTok knowledge. Um, yeah. This has cool. been, yeah. That's it. We awesome. did the show. We, we did, did the, the show. show. I'm going to give know our why sign we're being off. Awkward about it. <laughs> I'm going to give our sign off and we're going to give a quick plug to our friends at the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. But again, Doug, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if you want to stick around after our music, we'll talk a little bit more. Maybe we can talk about what what movies we want to have you back on for. We'll see. Sure. We'll leave a little tease for the the people listening out there. But thank you all for tuning in and sweet screams. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. 
the PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.